How's it going, everyone? Welcome to Good Movie Monday. This is a special summer edition episode. We uh, we promised that we'd be here for at least a couple of episodes during our hiatus. The the main show, Good Movie Monday, will be back on March 4th. But here we are, Benjamin and myself, Glenn, to talk about our top 10 movies of 2023. It's a fun time of year for us, like, you know, to look back at what was. And I, I can tell you off the bat that these are not the best movies of 2023 for me. These are just the ones I like the most. Yeah. it's Look, I find it, it is... Look, I mean, of course, it's subjective and all that sort of stuff. But it is... I found it. I found this year actually to be quite challenging. Yep. Because there wasn't. There were a lot more films that I wanted to like a lot more than I did. Yeah, right. And that's and the movies <laughs> I was kind of expecting to be great weren't as great. Yep. And the ones I thought, you know, <laughs> it was like it was. It was. It's been a. It's been a weird year. Plus, I found that I, and I've joked about this all through the year, and I think last year, I think even last year, maybe my top ten, I think I stuck in a TV series. <laughs> I found that no I doubt was watching a lot of TV. Uh, yeah, a lot more TV, and the TV has been great. And there's been like there's there's a couple of movies that I left off my list, and I'd be curious to see if they're on your list. Yes, but I left them off almost as a punishment because they went for over three hours. <laughs> and <laughs> fuck you. Well, make them a TV series if it's going to be that long. We are going to have some crossovers here. I'll be interested to see if we have them in the same position. Yeah. Um. But I'm actually. Uh, it's interesting because if you if you've been listening to our show, we did the end of year wrap up with everybody back in December and we did our top three. Yeah. Now, that's kind of changed for me a little bit since then. So yeah, now that too. I've collected you know, more to build up my 10, one of them has dramatically dropped. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, for me, my the biggest viewing period mm. of films of the year for me are that five-day period between <laughs> Christmas and New Year's because that's when I try and cram and catch up yeah, yeah. on everything that I've put off and missed. Yeah. It wasn't as successful... <laughs> As I wanted, thanks thanks to clips of movies on TikTok, <laughs> yeah. and uh, then, I, then I'm just like, I, I need to watch Margin Call. I need to watch this episode of The Rookie. That and yes. instead of watching all the movies, I, that period I that you're talking about is where I actually just dive into old movies. Like it's it's my mm. downtime. It's not work related, and I just yeah. find I I binge on discoveries like old movies I've discovered or old movies I, I cherish. And so that's what I want to ask. Like, how's your break been so far? Like, have you? discovered anything new of you has it just been catching up i did look i did watch i finally got around to watching that movie run yep the um with uh, sarah paulson about the the mother that's uh yep has been kind of poisoning her daughter her entire life to keep her close mm-hmm. and i thoroughly enjoyed that that was another one that i'd seen clips of yeah repeatedly like the, all of the scenes of the girl in the chemist going what's this pill for what's yeah. this pill for <laughs> Um, when she kind of tweak, tweaks, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But as for the rest of it, it has been a lot of TV and also a lot of early nights. Yeah, man, that's <laughs> where a- I'm just like, I've spent a lot of t- like, I spent a lot of time because I just resubscribed to Netflix, yeah, to Apple Plus, mm. and um, uh, what was the other one? Paramount Plus. Yes, and 
So I've just been like going like crazy, like you know, scrolling through what they have rather than actually necessarily watching <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, spending I've all your time been, just going through just thumbnails. Through, yeah. <laughs> well, and like I was shocked. I found Binge. Yeah. Binge has a ton of classics. I just subscribed to that over the break as well. Yeah. Um, I, I had been with it before, dropped off it, and I, I discovered there were things on there I really wanted to see. Uh, for the love of, you know, I can't remember what the one that pushed me over yeah. the line to get back on it was. But yeah, I'm enjoying that. And like one of the movies I watched in the lead up to this was a French movie, um, and with Laura Laura uh, Kalami from yep. from um, uh, Call My Agent. Yeah. And I was I it it uh, it played at festivals last year. It, it theoretically was released last year, but in Australia it only got released on in Feb. Yep. And I was like, where can I I I, I was on SBS looking for it, and uh, it wasn't there. And I'm like. Oh, and SBS, for some reason, didn't seem to have anything made in 2023. They're yeah. all, you know, a lot, lot of older stuff. And then uh, I did the, I looked at the Just Watch website, and of course it came up, and it was on Binge, and I'm like, this is so mm. unusual. Like, this is on Binge, and of course, in typical Binge fashion, and Netflix and Stan, <laughs> I typed in the actual name of the film, and it still was like the fifth. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't one. even bring them up at all. Yeah. For me, I, I just remembered it was Boiling Point, the TV series of the movie. Yeah, right. Because yeah. I watched the movie and then I was like, <laughs> I loved it that much. I was desperate to watch the sequel, which is in a four-episode series. Far out. Phenomenal. It's yeah. the British version of The Bear. I actually think it's better than The Bear. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that. Um, what else did I watch over the break? I discovered over Christmas, um, I think I told you, a Christmas movie from 96, 97 called Riot. Yeah. With... um. Sugar Ray Leonard, I think his name is. The and boxer. Or, yeah. the, or, the lead, the, or the lead singer from Sugar Ray, no, Mark McGrath. No, the boxer. <laughs> and, a, and Gary Daniels. That was just a special plug for, for Jarrett. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a big Sugar Ray fan. But, yes, but I can't wait to go to next Christmas to watch it again because it's like a Christmas version of Escape from New York. So yeah. made for TV, TV. <laughs> or, or DVD. That was amazing. Um I watched The Lost City of Zed, which I've seen once before, but that got better for the second viewing. That was great. I always get that mixed up with the, the one with uh, Margot Robbie and... Oh, Chewy the Z for Zachariah or whatever. Yeah, that yeah. one. I always get those two mixed up for some reason. <laughs> yeah. One that I've um, always struggled with and I thought I'd give another go was Marathon Man, Dustin Hoffman. Oh, is it secret? Is it safe? Yeah, but that I struggle with that every time I really? put it on. Really? find it hard to get into I've, look i've only seen it once i just remember i remember really loving it that yep. one time yeah like, i always find dustin hoffman can be a real hit and miss yep. for me but like, i do like that era dustin hoffman i think yeah. that was his prime and i just i don't know what it is about that movie i think it's just very convoluted takes a while to get into have you ever seen uh little big man oh yeah the the western he the western, did yeah yeah because yeah. I've never seen it, yeah. but it's referenced and shown in so many Particularly films. Particularly the TP scene. Yeah, yeah. And it's always like it's on the TV in the background. It, like I'm assuming that the clip rights must be incredibly inexpensive <laughs> for it to be in so many films. Like they talk about Shane yeah. in a lot more films, but they don't show the clip of him falling off the horse at the Correct. end, whereas they constantly have Dustin Hoffman in that TP. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Prisoners. I revisited that last week, and yeah, I was. I actually had planned. I thought when you sent me that message saying yeah. that you watch it, I was like, I really have to. I may have to give. It this just a improves watch. every time. Like I, yeah. I've already told you, I think it's a perfect film. But every time yeah. I watch it, I find new things in there. And I'm like, holy fuck! Like that is just such a stunning movie. And I'm going to say it. It's better than Seven. You know, it's that kind of genre. Yeah, way better. Way better. I don't know why I did that with my hands. <laughs> there. Like, <laughs> I know for me. I mean, 
I made a weird gesture then and it was like, what, present for me. what does that even mean? But even Seven, like I find mm. thrillers like Seven hard to go back to yeah, so once I think you know the twist. I think Seven is dated as well. It's not the masterpiece I thought it was when I yeah. revisit it now. Um, but once you know what, once you know what, yeah, the twists, the twists are. That's the beauty I think of Prisoners is when you do know where it's going. There's so much more to, to unearth yeah. as you go, and like I pick up every time I pick to. up on something else. I'm like, oh, I didn't really realize that. So it does require a few viewings. Yeah, all of the nods and all of the clues. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, basically, tell you like if you were actually were paying attention when you first watched it. Well, you should you, you should, should pick up yeah. on it if you're a good detective. But there's no way yeah. you possibly can. You got to watch the film through before you know those things are yeah. relevant. I mean, but it's it's one of those things. I don't know about you, but when I write trivia questions for for things, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, it's you know these. Like surely people are going to get this. It's obvious. This yep. is obvious. Yeah. Well, of course, it's obvious to me. I know the answer. <laughs> you know, it's really hard when you. I would imagine it if you're a, a writer or a filmmaker putting mm. those things together, going, "How do I make this solvable yeah. but not <laughs> obvious?" Yeah, that's right. Well, Prisoners is a masterpiece in that regard. And the only other one I wanted to bring up, which I mentioned to you in text message, was Get Santa. I watched it over Christmas. It's like Guy Ritchie doing Santa Claus the movie. It is like a British... Which is a great... Yeah, it's like a, it's a really sort of gritty British prison film. Yeah. And yet it's got the magic of the North Pole and Santa Claus and, and Jim Broadbent playing Santa Claus in prison with corn rolls. It's hilarious. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I watched that movie and once again, just cannot wait for next Christmas so I can do it again. I don't know where that movie has been on my are you life. Are you a stickler? Will you not watch Christmas yeah, movies yeah. when it's not Christmas? Has to be, has to be December for me. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I, I, I really cannot. Like... I was gifted. Like what you won't watch a Die Hard movie, or a um, Die Hard that not count. Well, no, Die Hard I don't actually watch until December either. But yeah, that's no. just because it's usually when I feel like watching it. It's been a year. Yeah, it's that's been a right. Year since you watch <laughs> that's it. Yeah. right. <laughs> but I got given uh, Santa Claus the movie for Christmas, and I knew I was getting it. It's the 4K release, right? So I was very excited. And when I realised that I wasn't getting it, we had two Christmases this year. We had Melissa's family and my family. And when I realised I wasn't getting it for the first Christmas. And then I'd be getting it on Christmas Day. I'm like, shit, well, I'm going to have to wait a year before I watch, watch this. <laughs> and then Mel's like, well, you know, when everyone leaves or when we're done, like, then you can watch it late at night before it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really crammed that one in. But yeah, no, otherwise, if I'd missed the Christmas deadline, I would have waited a whole year. So not even, like, even the 25th to the 31st, that's too late. Yeah, because Christmas is done. Christmas is done. <laughs> in my mind. Well, I mean, look, I was in for a rude surprise when I went, uh, I had to go into the supermarket. Um, uh, there's a, a new supermarket has, has a, a new Coles has opened up. Yep. Uh, in in Chadston, and mm. I, it's right where the JB Hi-Fi and the office works are. Yeah. And I had to go in and get I don't know what it was something, and I was shocked to find the hot cross buns are on sale. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I was like, it is literally the second of. Uh, well, this is what's so weird. Or like, like the 28th of December. I have no faith. I'm not religious in any way, shape, or form. But these are little traditions that I have in my mind. And so, like, I get quite annoyed when Boxing Day evening, there's still Christmas lights on houses. Yeah. Like, Turn that shit off. We're done. <laughs> We're done. What were you doing this morning? <laughs> That's right. Sons of bitches. Anyway, was there anything you wanted to touch upon from your break before we actually do this? Uh. No, no. No. What was the last film that we we went to see? The, uh, oh, it was geez. the last film before Christmas. Was it anyone uh, anyone but you? Was that the last one we went to see? Anyone but yeah, yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. That was. I saw a funny clip of that. That's the Sydney Sweeney Glenn Powell film. Um and just going through my notes here, I think that there, yeah, that was our our final viewing for the year. I saw a clip of 
uh, Sydney Sweeney with the Huntsman. Have you seen that behind yeah, the scenes? And it actually bit her? It goes there, yeah. Far out. Oh, I've been bitten once by a Huntsman and it's not fun. No? I can imagine like yeah. she's sitting there getting bitten and no one thinks it's real. They think yeah. she's acting she's a just, bit much. <laughs> she's a bit over the top in this scene. <laughs> That's right. And, and Glenn Powell was telling a funny story because this film takes place in Sydney and there's a quite a, an elaborate sequence where they're in Sydney Harbour. They're actually in the water and they filmed it in Sydney Harbour. And Glenn Powell was telling people, you know, off the side of the set, you know, oh, we're doing this scene in the harbour. And everyone's saying to him, you're not getting in that water, are you? It's like shark infested. <laughs> and they had no idea that it's like the most densely shark populated waters, you know, in the Southern Hemisphere. And he goes, oh, that's all right. They gave us a shark repellent. And when they handed it to him, it was a Fitbit. <laughs> He's like, that's all a Fitbit? The shark is afraid of a Fitbit? Well, it's better if it was my dad. If my dad was a safety coordinator, he would have just given him a hammer. So there you go. <laughs> that's right. Just poke them in the eye It'll or the gills. Fine. Poke yeah. them in the gills. They don't like being poked in the nose. <laughs> That's right. So just... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, that was our last film. Look, I don't know how I feel about that still. You know, it was enjoyable, but it was a... It was, it was funny because yeah. over the Christmas break, I was um, a, a, a friend of mine's uh, partner is the head of uh, Sony uh, Theatrical. Yep. And, uh, and she, <laughs> she was at the New Year's Eve party I was at. And she, she was like, oh, it's been a while since I've seen you. What was it like? And I was like, I remember it. It wasn't the, anyone but you. And she's like, that's right. She goes, oh, that was not the screening I imagined I was going to run into you at. And I was like, look, I don't like going to, you know, they're always at Melbourne Central. And she's like, yeah, no. Um, I know. Don't, I don't like, you know, I, I was like, I was like, look, you know, I, I know it's it's great to see movies early and everything like that, but it, it bothers me that I, I have to pay $20 for parking to see a free film when I could just pay $22 to see the movie at a closer cinema and not have to pay for parking. So I don't I don't like to go yeah to uh to to Melbourne Central, but you know, there are certain films that I'll make the effort. I won't do it for a Marvel movie anymore, but I will do it for a, for a, a dodgy rom-com. Well, this is the funny thing. Like she said that, you know, she didn't expect to see you at that screen and it's like, "Well, you have not listened to the show. Yeah. You don't know what we actually love." Yeah. Like I was the only thing I was disappointed by was that what well, was the the song the song that they choose isn't the most uh, sing-alongable <laughs> song. Yeah. And there was no like group dance scene, or which also, I think all those kind of movies need. What do you call it? The colloquialisms or whatever you call it were not oh, actually Aussie either. Like no, they were that, what Americans perceive Aussie, you know, yeah. vernacular but to I, be. I kind of like, like yes, but then I also realise how Melbourne centric I am. Yeah, right. And this is very Sydney, especially like rich people Sydney. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. centric. And I was like, maybe I just don't, maybe I'm not as Australian as I think I am. Maybe I just, and I've never heard of this. Have you things. noticed how Brian Brown likes to rock up in these very wealthy Sydney cider type of movies? Like he did that Palm Cove a couple of years ago where, you know, oh, it's about all these people and their problems whilst they're in their palatial fucking yeah. Palm Cove mansion. To be honest with you, I think Brian Brown is at that point in his career <laughs> where he goes, I don't want to travel more than 20 minutes from my home. Yeah. <laughs> and he just, that's the films he does. Yeah. And he's like, you know, can I wear shorts and a uh, short sleeve shirt with the top couple of buttons undone? Yes, you can, Brian. Sign me See, up. That's the other thing that really shit me about this movie too is the the little thing that's going on with Brian Brown and the the son-in-law or whatever when they're doing the like let's pretend they can overhear us and the oh, little they're, pantomimes they're, they're doing they're, behind the bush. They're Shakespeare stuff. Yeah. That's, this this movie is based on a <laughs> that's right. loosely based yes. on a 
<laughs> and you know, one of the least interesting. Yeah. You know, once you could like, if it was if it was like this is the the the, the rom com that and we we base it on Macbeth, I'd be like, that's an that's an, that's an interesting take. But like, let's take Shakespeare's rom com and make it into a modern like that's there's no. Uh, but you know what I mean? That stuff like yeah. it was just overplayed. Anyway, oh yeah, it was so dodgy. But yeah. they all the whole thing <laughs> oh, yeah. like they telegraphed every single move. Yet I still find Sydney Sweeney incredibly watchable. Oh, especially in the shower. Yeah. Well, look, I. <laughs> I was chastised, but like I, I was talking to some friends about it, and uh, I was like, you know, look, I just feel bad for Sydney Sweeney because I think I think she's quite charismatic and quite watchable. I do. Too. I like to watch her in a film, and I was like, she doesn't really need to take her top off in every movie. As mm. great as her as her boobs are, it's really kind of unnecessary. Yeah. And they're like, well, hold on, a second. Let's, <laughs> let's not go too far. But then you look at the she's the EP. Yeah. Of this film. Yeah. So she's the one making herself well, get she knows while you've got it flaunted. Like, it's, it's oh. not going to be this way forever. Yeah, oh, look, 100%. I, who was it? There was a famous actress who's now in her 60s or 70s, like a Jane Fonda or something like that. Well, she's in her 80s. But she was looking back and they said, what's one regret you had in your career? And she goes, not getting naked enough in movies because of the body I had yeah. and I was being conservative. She says, but now that I'm old and it's not there anymore, I wish I had it documented. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> uh, what's it that Christine Applegate when... Um, she discovered that she had the the breast cancer gene. Yeah. So she ended up she got a double mastectomy. Yes. But before she did, she she has got a lot of photos taken, like <laughs> yeah. professional ones and stuff, just so I've got a record because you know of how yeah, good that, they were. They were real and they were spectacular. Yes. <laughs> she should have made more movies like that. Have, yeah. Oh, dearie. All right, let's crack on. Let's do this. Top ten of two thousand twenty three. We're gonna go backwards. All right, that was such a bizarre. What, <laughs> like that, that, just that last little segment of us talking about celebrity tits. <laughs> like it's, well, it's like this is not a regular formatted <laughs> episode. Let's... It's, like, it's like my favorite episode ever. <laughs> I'm trying to keep a conversation, and that is, let's face yeah. it, the kind of conversations we have. Yeah. Um, well, let's go backwards um, here, and we'll go like one each. We won't like you know. We yeah, won't do all of do my it. ten, and then all of yours will go one at a time. So I'm going to start number ten. I'm going to go right into it with cocaine bear. Came nice. number ten because I think that um, it's one of the, the more fun movies this year. Um, it's not a masterpiece by any means, unless you're within a very specific parameter of genre. Then yeah. it is a masterpiece. But yeah, I just had so much fun. You were at that screening with me. I was indeed. We laughed our asses off. Like it was a little bit scary. Like it was just gory. It was great. Yeah, that or oh, the whole ambulance chase scene, oh, which is, is one of the great moments the, of the year. It's one of the great cinematic chase scenes. <laughs> yes. Like it's better than it's better than Bullet yeah. and the French Connection. And they actually they teased you with that in the trailer, and yet yeah. when you saw it for real, it was so much better. It's so much more. Yeah, yeah. Look, I you know look, my list this year is pretty. Like I, I reckon there's 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 five there's probably five great films. Yep. and five ones I just enjoyed. Sure. And even the, even those ones are kind of you know, dubious, and I'm not going <laughs> to tell you which ones are which. But it, should, I, you know, if you know me, you'll, it'll be obvious. Yep. But um, I every time I think about comedies on you know on these lists, I always think of that Will Ferrell, Jack Black, John C. Riley song that they did the Oscars about the comedian at the Oscars and the saddest guy around, <laughs> because you know there seems to be a misconception that comedies are easy mm. and therefore. The acting isn't as good as like a Daniel Day Lewis. It's to the contrary. You know, it's, yeah, <laughs> I, I would say it's harder. Like I've never yeah. seen a, I've never seen a, 
and this is we'll get emails hopefully. I've never seen a Daniel Day Lewis like comedy. Not I don't know if that guy could do not it. Not a lowbrow one. Yeah. Um, has he done a comedy? No, I don't think I he wouldn't has. Have thought. Yeah. Hmm. Something to look at after we record because yeah. I'm very <laughs> curious. I would love to see that. But you know, like I, I think it's a definite set of skills that not everyone has yeah. to do a good comedy. And when I'm not, I'm not talking about like an Adam Sandler kind of, I'm going to do a funny voice and yeah. bang into something. Though arguably there's a lot more to Adam Sandler films than just that. That's just one element of it. But, you know, some some comedies are great. And Cocaine Bear is a great comedy. It is. I mean, that's why they say that comedians make great dramatic actors. There's much yeah. more discipline and, and focus, you know, quite often when you're doing comedy because you've got such a small target to hit. Yeah. And you've got to get it with precision. All right. So that was my number 10. Uh, well, my number 10 is Pearl. Yeah. I was hoping you'd say that because it was an honorable mention for me. For you. Yeah. Um, Look, I, I think I'm in the minority when I say that I did not enjoy Pearl as much as I enjoyed yep, X. Yep, yep, Which I which I really enjoyed, which I could have included this year, but I think I included it last year in my... Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was last year's. Last year's uh, top 10. A lot of great stuff, a lot of, you know, gore and fun kills and, it's pretty and stuff. To look at. It's great to look at. It was done on the sly, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um which makes it impressive on how good it looks and how well it's structured if they did this as a secret film. Yeah. You know, that's a real lot of effort to keep that kind of value down. Yeah. But, you know, look, my only criticism of it would be that it kind of feels almost like half a film, half a story. Yep. yep. Like you kind of think that the entire the entirety of this could have happened in the first half mm-hmm. and then she could go off. Then she can escape, yeah, yeah. and you know, and become, and become yeah. you know, the failed actress or whatever. Because mm. we haven't, I know what you're saying. We haven't had that actual proper transition from what we sort of see her become to yeah. what we know she does end up you know, being. Yeah, which well, she like well, yes, yeah, like she you, she does become what what you know from X. Yeah. You, that happens, but then they don't explain what happens with the husband. No, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in the middle there. But, yeah, you know, I get it. And only uh, the, only the other day we had um, a news report about the new instalment, Maxine, having yes. its first screening, and the reports back being that it's a a giallo argento type of uh, thriller packed with violence and gore. Yeah, look, I I can't begin to tell you how much I'm looking forward to Max. It's a serial killer film set in LA. Um, yeah, in the yeah. 80s, or, yeah, or 70s, one or the other. Oh. Be like 52 pickups, <laughs> if it's the serial killer version. Yeah, from the John Glover perspective, rather than the Roy Scheider's <laughs> perspective. Uh, awesome. Well, then, okay, my number nine. I know this is going to be on your list, probably higher up. Would be When Evil Lurks. Yes. So it's a film we've talked about on the show before. It's what country was it from? It's uh, Spanish, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's or Argentine, like it's South American. Yeah, let's just say South and American. We saw that at Monster Fest. But it was opening night, I believe. It was opening night film. It is on Shutter now. If you are curious and want to check it out, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about it now or when you get to it? Assuming it's on your list, it is. Look, it's it's my number three, okay. but we can talk about it now. All right, cool. So, I mean, it's such a surprising film. There's so many visual things in this that just catch you off guard. Don't expect it or you expect it, but not as extreme as it takes. Yeah. It. Like there's, there's, and I love it. You know, I love it when children are in peril and, and some, 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 shock, serious, some shocking shit happens. Some serious peril going on <laughs> right. in this film. Not just once, not just twice, but like this, they, they keep putting these kids yeah. in these awful, awful situations. I just, I just love how gross it is. Yeah. Like really it gross. just, like every aspect of it 
is just like uncomfortable and gross. And it does feel like it is like established in a universe of some sort. Like yeah. you can imagine other films taking place around. Yeah, in this. What, what is it? So, is it an outbreak? That... It's an exorcism. It's, yeah. a, it's a possession. It's basically a possession movie. Yeah. But the rules of the of dealing with the possessed, yeah. which are obviously kind of commonplace, mm. although you think by what happens, because what ha- what the 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 I guess the conceit of the film is that if the possessed are killed incorrectly, mm. the possession actually spreads. Yes. It'll infect everyone in a yep. in a given area. Yeah, and this whole film is kind of set in. In a country town where a lot of people have moved, because this is a lot more common in the city, but also the 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 uh, ability to fix it mm-hmm. is a lot more. Yeah, so it's kind um, of, it's kind of post apocalyptic in a way. Yeah, like, and on the you fringes. feel like it's kind of leaning towards it because they're in because they're in the middle of nowhere. They're in a kind of a smaller country town in a country yep. area, yep. and they don't have any of the the because at the beginning of the film you don't know it yet, but they find the remains of. As it turns out, mm. like an exorcist who's come to deal with this problem. Yeah, yeah. And that that's it. There's no one else. Yeah. There's no one else. Like, you know, they find a woman who kind of, <laughs> you know, when she was younger, knew a bit about it, but she's not really an expert. She's just someone who survived <laughs> some stuff. And there's there's just no one around. And they know that if they, you know, but they kind of have no. It, it's just such a. It's just a, a, yeah, an interesting and uh, and cool world that they create yeah it feels very new it's like a horror film you haven't seen before and this guy i thought maybe it was his first film but he's done four or five Mm. prior to this and i cannot wait to check out what those films are like because and what i mean by when i say this movie is really gross it's it's almost um cronenbergian gross because it's basically yeah just things that are excreting out of people's bodies that (laughs) everyone has yeah yeah but it's just if you don't deal with them or doing something to another body that you know. That, you yeah, <laughs> but if you if you just said I'm never going to wipe my ass and I'm never going to blow my nose and I'm never going to brush my teeth and I'm never going <laughs> to yeah any of that sort of stuff I'm just going to let it like hang out of me. <laughs> That's the grossness. That's Ben's pitch for next year, this yeah. year's season. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so we're up to your number nine. My number nine. Now this one is kind of a cheat. And I, and I only watched it yesterday, so it's a it's a Fresh last minute inclusion. <laughs> but um, the BBC have started this new TV series created by Nicholas Winding Refn, mm-hmm. uh, based on the Famous Five. It's called it's called the Famous Five, right? And theoretically, this episode is just episode one, but it goes for an hour and a half. Like these are those British, <laughs> <This is cheat. laughs> yeah. But these, well, these are these, you know, like Endeavor and stuff like that. If if they were made in America, they would be TV movies. Yeah, yeah. But in the UK, they call them part of a series. But yeah. each episode is a movie. Yeah, a movie is movie length, and it's the next episode doesn't like it's, it's, it's not like, like a, the, yeah, the same mystery. It's, it's a new it's chapter. A, it's or, a new, yeah. you know, it's a new crime. Like in in Endeavor, it's a new crime. Yeah. Anth- anthological or an- an- anthology. Yeah, like, yeah. It, but this, you know, it is always the it is the famous five, and it, they haven't. So you know, just by its running time, <laughs> just because it's made for TV, I'm calling this a film. Okay. It is a film. Well, I love the famous five, so go for it. Um, and this is great. It um, is it English? It is English. Yeah. It is set. I believe it is set just pre-war, pre-World okay. War One. 
I think. I don't. I, it's an interesting they, time because didn't they do the Hardy Boys or something like that on as a series recently? They've done that set now. They've done the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew, but they're both yeah. set now. Okay, they're contemporary. And they both have weird, or at least Nancy Drew has like a supernatural mm-hmm. uh, thing about it. Yeah, and the yeah. Hardy Boys is like a, they've come home to their parents, uh, you know, the place where their parents grew up and there's, like there's mysteries. They discover like their, stuff, yeah. yeah. The Hardy family legacy isn't as uh, pristine <laughs> as they would like it I to be. I enjoyed that. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, this is like literally the kids all, even though they're cousins, they they there's a been a falling out in the family, so they haven't seen each other kind of since they were, mm-hmm. you know, babies. Yeah. So they're all it's, they're getting to know you while they go on this adventure, which is the curse of Kieran Island. Mm-hmm. The villain in it is uh, the guy who plays Joffrey in Game of Thrones, right? Who has developed a like I don't know they've <laughs> dressed him up so weird, like he's got this gigantic forehead. And a tiny face, uh, but he's got like a little kind of mustache and a, and he's <laughs> it's so weird. He's the he's the villain. He's a great villain because he's a, he's a twerpy little kid. Yeah, yeah. In my but mind, he's, he's but he's he's wealthy and he's got uh, big henchmen. <laughs> and these and he's just taken on kids, right? But there's plenty of dead bodies, and it's basically like an Indiana Jones esque adventure. Yeah, that's like why where, I want to get into this. Like, yeah, I'm excited. And it's it's just it was just a lot of fun. Like it is it is 100 percent what it is. I don't know. See, that's the other thing. I don't know when the second episode comes out, but because they're feature length, it's mm. not like it's a it's not like a weekly Yeah, yeah. It's not a weekly thing. Like it's just it's so it's like I said, if it was America, it would a hundred percent it'd be like those uh um Hallmark Channel movies, Mystery yeah. 101 well, yeah. or... What that's it exactly me of, what it is. Uh, you had the, back in the 80s and 90s, I should say, you had the Adventures of Young Indiana Jones, which they retconned into movies. Yeah. It's, it feels like that. Like, you know, you've got these just standalone adventures that hold yeah. up well. I'm, I'm excited. I love that you've had like, there's been hundreds of movies released this year and for your top 10, you've fucking got a TV show in there. I got a <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I, look, I, I did. I think I did preface it by saying I had. I really struggled for ten <laughs> yeah. great films. This I don't mind. Year. I don't mind. I mean, it's, you've put me onto it, so um, I'm happy. I'm happy. So, brings me to my number eight. No surprise here. This is the one that dropped out of my top three. Right. So I've put Gran Turismo. That's my number eight. At number eight. There you go. Uh, this I just can't. I can't talk about this one highly enough in terms of just how much fun you have at a cinema. It's, yeah. it's a modern Days of Thunder, which that's the movie that instantly comes to mind. You've got the roar, you've got the the tires on the track. Like it's all shot very similarly to that Tom Cruise movie. You know what really shocked me, and I think it's a, it's a credit to his performance. Yeah. But a film that I think is going to come come up in both our lists uh, further on. Yeah. But the, the main guy from Gran Turismo is in Saltburn. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, it was only after when I was going through it on IMDb. I'm like, oh my god, it's that kid. Yeah, he's been in something else as well um, recently, and yeah, he's he's going to be somebody in ten years' time. Yeah. We'll, we'll know exactly who this guy is. Um, I can't even remember his name, but yeah, uh, Neil Blomkamp directed this one, and he pulled a James Cameron on this because he sort of invented with his special effects team uh, ways to film inside the. I guess the cockpit of the car. Yeah. Whilst it's sort of in race mode, it's not as special effects driven as what you might think because he does do the the, the digital effects where he pulls the car apart while it's driving to give you an idea that yeah. you know, it's based on a game. But when he's in the cockpit at full speed, that's actually happening, and they've got these like um, fire optic or optical wires coming through, pointing at him from all directions that have never been done before in film. Yeah, and I think a big reason why this film hasn't got the recognition that I feel it deserves mm. is because of this idea that it's based on a game. Yeah. And it's not based on no. a game. It's 
it's in the world. It's it's surrounding a game, but it's a true story. It's yeah. like a and the truth. Like if you if you would have told me before this movie had made or before this had actually happened, yeah. that somebody was going to actually do this, I would have gone no, no <laughs> way. It, is it Nissan? Is that who it was? They did like a the Nissan Academy, and they like you said recruited they, gamers just to yeah. try and get their profile up. Um, and it's been a big deal. Like if you look it up on Wikipedia, or whatever, it's, it's still going. It just it, it always every time I think of it, and they they do say you know if he, you know there's a scene in the film where he's approached the 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 board in Japan and they're like you know if anyone gets hurt in this we're all yeah, major fucked. trouble, <laughs> and it just takes me takes me to that scene in um, Ford vs Ferrari when Tracy Letts yeah. who is playing like John Ford or the yeah 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 and he gets in the race car for the first time <laughs> he cries he basically like a baby. cries like a baby. <laughs> And you're like, it is. Yeah. And like Matt Damon is like, this is the part where the where a civilian would shit himself. Yeah. And he is shitting himself. <laughs> <That's what> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we um we agreed on that one for sure. Because I don't think it's going to make many top 10 lists. Yeah. I think I think that's a shame. Here's one right. that's not going to make many top 10 lists. Number seven here really came in at the last minute because I watched it again three nights ago and decided I like this enough. And it's Evil Dead Rise. Right, okay. Interesting. Um, watched it the first time, really enjoyed it. Like, yeah. really spoke highly of it, but watched it the second time and just got way more out of it. Like, I really, I felt like I was in the lore of Evil Dead with this one, listening to those records played. You can hear Bruce yeah. Campbell in one of those records. Yeah, right. And the director I read up on it says, well, that's his idea of Ash being lost in time. Right. So they've got recordings of priests in like Haiti or somewhere, you know reading out the Necronomicon and all that. And you hear Ash in the background saying like, you know, it's it's the book of the dead. You shouldn't be doing this, you know. <laughs> yeah. Look, I I I liked the film, mm. but I almost, I I think I would have liked it better if it was just a standalone rather than an Evil Dead film. Sure, sure. But that's my only My only My only um, problem with this, which seems to contradict everybody else's, you know, they love it, is the bookends for me. The, the cabin yeah. in the woods. Like that was... It's it's kind of I understand what they're doing. They're taking the franchise from the woods, bring it to the city. I don't like the way they did it. But although it, it does seem, look, it, it's been a while since I saw it, but it, was it feels like it's it feels like it's actually the other way around. Well, it is because the story itself, because that's like a um an after like what happens yeah, there. Had, yeah, it's then, like the, and the person says, in the car park yes. goes out to the. So, so she's actually so to give like context to people listening. It starts off in the woods. Something ha- happens, very evil, deady, and yeah. then it says three days earlier, and that's the movie. And then it goes back to yeah, and then the it's, yeah, the very shows the last you how scene yeah. Is the yes, person so I think it's the... unnecessary entirely. I yeah. don't think it needs to. It's actually yeah. For me, it was a fan service just to say, hey, you know, we know you want the cabin in the woods. Here's a little bit of that, but yeah. we're going to shift this to the city. I mean, it does. Like, I guess it does make sense because you know the way that when they discover the book of the dead mm. by digging through the basement of their the, the apartment building, building the, the which is built on a church or no, it's built, a tomb or something. built on a bank vault, and there's an earthquake that happens in the film that. Unearth the vault. the vault. And right. the, the teenage son finds uh, vinyl recordings. Yeah. Of but the they've, been, and the they've been like mystically bound in this vault to stop the yeah, yeah. evil from getting yes. out or whatever. Yes. Like there's a and that's that's revealed in what they find in the recordings. They, yeah. they explain why it's all in this particular location and things like that. Because I guess in the original films, the evil is brought out to the cabin by the... 
the professor. The, the professor, yeah, yep. like he's yep. studying it. Mm. He brings the he the takes it Necronomicon. to as remote locations yeah. he can, so he doesn't unleash it on the world. Yeah, um, and so yeah, he but, reads the Necronomicon and that. But as was established in Army of Darkness, there are three Necronomicons. Yeah, so this is one of the other Necronomicons. So it fits the universe nicely. You can yeah. very easily believe that this is in the Ash universe, and I believe um, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are working on now building this franchise up. I think Campbell said instead of doing it one every ten years, we want to do it every two years. We want a new instalment. So yeah, I think this one's good enough to to do that. I hopefully it, it was popular enough that that they'll pursue it because Ash versus Evil Dead, the TV show, was just as good and. You know they they canned that, so who knows where the future lies? But yeah, well, they gave it three seasons. It's just AMC. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Who but knows why? It was why so fucking good. Like yeah. it was to me one of the best horror TV shows I've ever seen. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, there you go. Number seven. Uh, for me, number seven, Strays. That's my number six. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. So we can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we both had that on the list. Like yeah, just like a a fantastic comedy. Like I don't think there is a. I don't think there was a good there was a five minute period in that film where I wasn't laughing. And I saw this by myself in a screening, and uh, I was laughing out loud. And it's very rare for me to laugh yeah. out loud by myself. You know, I'll laugh to myself. Yeah. But I was in stitches. It, it just hit every spot for me. Um, and it's 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 the f- tried and true formula we've had. Um, like super bad. We've had good boys. Like this is just the animal version. The animal of version that. of it. It's yeah. the homeward bound version of that. But fuck, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny. And last year on the show, we, we had the um, the director talking about it and, you know, that's how he approached it, just seriously. It's like, yeah. you know, we all have you – know, anyone that's had a pet wonders what the fuck they're thinking and the thoughts they put into these animals is hilarious. It's hilarious, yeah. just It's time to go to sleep and they're all doing that circle around their bed. Yeah. <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying to find the sweet spot. Um, yeah, I loved it. And I love a, a movie with a real good – Upbeat soundtrack, and this one really has a good sort of hip hop soundtrack to, to sell the comedy. To do it. Yeah, <laughs> just the the way this dog thinks his abusive owner loves him. Yeah, <laughs> just so like, good. Like just the idea of the fetch and fuck game. <laughs> what a great game! <laughs> and what's his what's his name? What's the dog? What do you think his name oh. is? It's like fuck off or yes, shithead remember. or something like that. Shitheads from the jerk. From the jerk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but he, yeah. Uh, I can't remember the dog's name. What he thinks his what name, he thinks is. His name yeah. is. Yeah, fucking hell! But I'm so glad we both settled on that right in the middle. But what's your number six? Uh, my number six is Talk to Me. Wow, that's on my list. Further much up, much higher. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I mean, look, it could. I could have swapped this out. I could have probably you know switched this out with my number five pick. Mm. Which is Cocaine Bear, which we've already discussed. Yeah, we should have just done um, in no particular order. In no particular, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a hard one. I mean, my look, my top three are my top three. They're yep. fine. Yeah. Um. But uh, you know, I thought th- I, I thought this was a really great inventive horror film. It's fantastic that it's Australian, mm-hmm. but that actually does not matter at all. No, it it, it, it wouldn't have mattered to me. It's if, it's made it's the like it's uh, made the the lists of a lot of American podcasts. Yeah. for sure. Even the Boneheads threw it in there. Yeah. Um. And speaking of Evil Dead, it's like it, one. It's one of the most impressive debut films I've seen. You know, to to make this effective horror film and it's your first go. That's yeah. pretty incredible. And it kind of feels a bit like Evil Dead. It's got an Evil Dead meets Flatliners vibe to it. This yeah. one. And, and what I like about it is that it's contained. Yeah. Like it's not like. Evil Dead, where now we've unleashed this and the world is fucked, or like yeah, you know, like the end of demons. There's no, there's you're no big consequence like, of this yeah. film. Yeah, it's like it's it's all locked around this 
you know, it's you know, it's like the monkey paw kind yeah. of thing. You know, you you make the decision. Yep. And if you fuck it up, that's on you that's and right. the people around you. But yeah, it's not going to uh, destroy not, the the planet. It's not consequential beyond that. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, and it's probably the best I've seen Miranda Otto in a long time. She's <laughs> just because I watched this I think three times now, and every yeah, right. time she's on screen, it's funny. Yeah, really funny, particularly like because she's real as well. She's she's just speaking the way most parents speak. But yeah. fuck, watching it from a grown up perspective. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Cool. So that that came in further up the list for me. My number five is actually the cost, which, you know, I've talked about um, throughout the year on the show, Matthew Holmes' new film. I just think it's a really tight, taut, um, effective thriller movie, which when I was watching Prisoners the other night, I sent a message to, to Matt, the director, and I said, I said, dude, surely Prisoners was one of your biggest influences when making the... He goes, it was my number one influence. <laughs> so there's, it's a very, very much similar revenge type of thriller. Um, it's very, it goes in directions you don't expect it to go. It's quite ghastly and grisly to watch. Um, stomach churning at times. But yeah, just the fact that he pulled it off over a course of several weekends during COVID, um, that it looks as good as it does, that it's written as tightly as it is. And performed as well. I just think it's one of the best thrillers this year. And the fact that it's local is even better. Yeah, there you go. So, the yeah, number five. The cost, which I think we played. We played it. Yeah, it did. I think it premiered at Monster Fest. Premiered at Monster Fest. There you go. The Arbiters of Taste. (laughs) Uh, So, that was your number five, was it? Yep. My number five is is Cocaine Bear. We've talked about that. Awesome. Um, Cool. So, that means my number four would be The Holdovers. Interesting. Yes. Okay. So the holdovers, which frustrated the hell out of me because this is Alexander Payne's new Christmas movie, which in Australia didn't get released until just last week in January. Yeah. Um, which I think is outrageous because it's it's not that it just it could it could be Christmassy. It is a Christmas movie. It takes yeah. place over the Christmas holiday. The whole the, the whole yeah. the whole well, the whole point of it is yeah. that he it's about this kid in a boarding school who's yeah. Parents have left him there over the Christmas holidays. Yes, so, so you, you I, I can't just take Christmas I, out of I it. cannot comprehend why the Australian distributor decided to hold this one off. Like I'm guessing that chances are it was because there was a hold there was a holdback that you can't release this for X amount of weeks and after the US release. But even that doesn't make sense. I mean, I understand that that in business terms, right? But being a Christmas movie, it's like yeah. you've missed your audience. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's detrimental to the film mm. the film's release here in Australia. But the American distributors, a lot of the time. Don't care. No, I know. And they, the Americans got this one like almost a month before we did. Like yeah. this got released, you know, as, early as they should. That's when it, sh- it should be released. But there is also, there is also the, um, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the thought that piracy is much, is a much bigger thing yeah. in Australia. And you're like, well, yes, <laughs> we download more content than maybe anywhere else in the world, but we're not the ones uploading it. Well, That's all thanks to you, uh, Americans. And the reason a lot of us do that is because we don't get these films on time. time yeah, Like it's sort of a vicious cycle here. But yeah, The Holdovers, I think it, to me, it's Alec, uh, Alexander Payne's best movie. Um, some people have disagreed when I've, I've said that, but I do. I just think it's it's his most mature, it's his smartest. I think Paul Giamatti's never been better. Yeah. And um, Look, I, when, I, when I saw it and uh, I remember you telling me... I, that you thought I would love it, and I, I did, and it is it is on my list, but it's it's actually at number two. Ooh, okay. Uh, it's a bit higher up, yeah. and that's where it's switched out from my list yeah. on the uh, on the on, on the, the show. Yeah. Um, which I think Cocaine Bear had actually dropped was my number three. Has yeah, dropped down so to we're, number we're five. We both dropped a couple. Yeah. 
Um, it, uh, I, I thought like finally Alexander Payne's using his powers for, for good instead of evil. <laughs> it was like, but admittedly, I, like, I really, I do need to go back and watch like his stuff again. Yeah. Cause I don't know if yeah. I, I like the only thing I haven't liked of his is downsizing, but everything else I've loved. Yeah, like, downsizing is a real, cause I, it, like I, there was a lot of hate for it mm. and I watched it and I was like, I, I love the idea. Oh, the idea is where it where it wins, but I don't think but, he executes it very well. But it's yeah. But I'm like, but is it? What did I miss? Well, like, for do me, I need to go back and watch me, it? And I'm like, ah. the first half of downsizing should be what downsizing was. The yeah. second half, fuck that off completely. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. But having because that, that is the interesting part is, is the whole breakup. Like, let's yeah. let's go, let's do it together. I'll go first, and then you. It's you yeah. Know. But having said that, like each um, film that Alexander Payne has made has been my favourite Alexander Payne movie. Yeah. So Election, obviously, then About Schmidt. I'm like, well, this is fucking amazing. And then you know, then we've got like Sideways. That's, that's like, the well, one. This, I... is, this is his best movie and now it's Holdovers. Yeah. I just think he outdoes himself each time. Yeah. So there you go. And how good Paul Giamatti. Like, this is... Like, I don't think he's been better. <laughs> he's yeah, an no, amazing he's, actor. He's so good. Like, But he's perfectly cast. Oh, yeah. It was written for him. Yeah. And he's bug-eyeing this. Just, he's a character and not. And that, and that kid. That kid, the first thing he's ever done kind of thing. He was picked up um, practically off the street. Like, he just yeah. did like a blind audition, never done anything like it before. That's incredible. And he's great. And the 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 cook at, yep. the, yep. at the school is great. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all... And they all have their own arc. Yeah. Yeah, which is, and and it all fits nicely. There's nothing out of place. Um, but it, what I really like about it is that all the um all the assholes in the film and it, that you even at the start when you think is that person an asshole? Maybe we we just not they maintain their assholeness. Yeah. Like they, <laughs> they they're true to themselves. Like the kids' parents and the his other kids in his class and stuff like that. Like yeah. they you know, they have some of their reasons, but then you hear the reasons and you're like <laughs> No, yeah. you're an ass. Like his, like his parents, the reason he gets dumped, he, he, he gets held over. Like he's expecting this big trip and they tell him the day of that yeah. they want to go on their honeymoon. He's like, but you've been married for six months. And he's like, oh, something always came up. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know like at Christmas time. Like yeah. they're only, it's, it's not like it's, it's a couple of weeks in America. It's not like it is here where it's our major holiday. Yeah. Yeah. And usually you take you know, the two-week kind of Christmas, New Year period. And then, you know, at school, you've got another month off. I know. Like, they've only got that couple of weeks. Yep. Like, it's – and it's a horrendous thing to pull on a kid. <laughs> yep. The day of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then, you then you know, towards the end of the film, the parents turn up and they explain themselves and you're like, yeah, you still cuts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that, that, you know, watching that also reminded me a bit, obviously you've got the um, Dead Pole Society kind of vibe yeah. going, but what's that Malcolm McDowell one we talked about? Is it If? If. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. yeah. This reminded me of If without the massacring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, very, it's, it's very um, Catcher in the Rye yeah, kind yeah. of thing, but without yeah, without that. Without the darkness. Without the darkness. Yeah. You know, although justifiable if it, if it did kind of happen. Yeah, or or, or right. under, not justifiable, understandable. Yeah, yeah. Um, it touches at least on some the, of the kids touches on the things that push some kids in yeah. that direction. But yeah. is this whole generation that we don't really look, we're not in the in the financial bracket yeah. to understand this? You know, with, with rich parents who mm. can, who like you know send who just Abandon basically their send their kids away. Yeah, yeah. I don't right. want to deal with you on a day to day basis. <laughs> Off you go, <laughs> and then you know, and then I'll put up with you at, on the, <laughs> during the holidays, <laughs> uh, which is I mean. Look, I look at <laughs> I look at people, some people with kids, and I'm like, fair enough. I do it. <laughs> I send them away. Yep. 
Was it? Is it great? It's a. It's a. Um, it's a bit from some. I think it's a com- a comedian's like bit that's going around on Instagram a lot at the moment, where she's like, uh, you know, I hate it when people compare uh, when people uh, uh, talk about how like having a dog is like having a kid. <laughs> it's because I've never stopped being friends with people because they got a dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh my goodness. So what's your number four? Uh, that's a good question. My number four is Saltburn. That's my number two. Excellent. So we're, we're covering the same ground here. Yeah. I. This was my number one for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. And look, it's, it's sort of come down. It's a, look, it's a really interesting film. I, I, listening to, I listened to an interview with the film's director, whose name I can no longer remember, but she's in Call of Midwife. She's an actress. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Outside of this. And I have, I have not... Seen promising young woman, which was, so, great. It was a great film. Um, but this is very, she is very middle class, upper class, yeah, herself, yeah. So, and, you know, write what you know, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that, that is, I think, has been part of, like it, it's a weird thing. The, the controversies surrounding this film seem to come out on many levels. Like, there's, there's a group of people who are like, they don't like the sex stuff, and then there's another group of people who don't like the class stuff. I find most people that are offended are offended by just the visceral aspect of this film. Yeah, more than anything. Like, Which, I, and uh, but they're the things that, like, <laughs> for lack of better phrasing, got me off. Like yeah. watching this movie, I'm like, I can't believe I'm looking at what I'm seeing. Like, and well, some of it, some of, like a lot of it, I'm like. I mean, look, I work for Monster Pictures. <laughs> yeah, that's and right. And we released some pretty gross films. <laughs> and so a lot of the stuff, I'm like, haven't they ever seen Life and Death of a Porno Gang? Like, they so were far the, more extreme okay, than this. Okay, so this is interesting because I kind of had that same reaction because I'm shocked at what I'm looking at because of the, the mainstream-ness yeah, of, of, the, it. of yeah. the film, right? But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know why people are so outraged. They clearly haven't watched a lot of cinema. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. And I'm like, I don't know why they're not more offended. Like, I, I come, I, the stuff that bothers me kind of is more of the class stuff. But yep. I a lot of the, the reviews that uh, I've seen of it have compared this to like Talented Mr. Ripley, which I find really odd because I don't think it's... I think it's the thriller elements. That... Well, I, I think it's well, I think it's the middle class person wanting yeah. to get into the into the yeah, upper yeah. class yeah. kind of thing. Whereas for me it's a lot more kind hearts and coronets, not to give it not to give it away. And <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. feel like a lot of the people who are yeah. saying that haven't seen sure. kind hearts and coronets and and talented Mr. Ripley is as close as they get. But yeah, yeah. you know, reading the I went back before before we recorded, I went back and, and just read the full Mm. You know, synopsis of talented Mr. Ripley again, like yeah. the Wikipedia yeah. thing where they run just to make sure I wasn't missing anything. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no. no. If, if, to, I think it's completely wrong. But this is this is because it films. is very much a mainstream film, and yeah. a lot of the mainstream audience don't look beyond mainstream. Yeah. And no, but look for what it is. I, I do think it is a genuinely shocking film, but it's also a very fun film. It's it's a satirical film. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of that class stuff is satirical yeah. and played satirically. Like, <laughs> I, I, yeah. And I have to say though, it's it is one of those like there's a kind of a a bit of a, a reveal at the end of the film, and my main kind of thing about it, my the my point of contention yeah. that I keep thinking about is was that necessary? Right? Was it necessary to show it because yeah. it's kind of implied anyway? Yeah. And I almost think would I have preferred it had it just been. In my head. Okay, well, we don't want to spoil it, but we'll talk about that off yeah. mic because I'm yeah. keen to have that conversation. Um, but yeah, look, and, and and Kerry Mulligan in this was actually like a bit of a show stealer for me. She's like she's not a main character by any means, but no. hilarious. She's, <laughs> but they're all they're all so callous. Yeah, they're awful people. They're awful people, <laughs> but but not but you know like 
they're just, they're, the son, I feel the son's like the most normal person in the film. I feel like the difference between them and, and any other group of friends who kind of are, who are like this, where they're like yeah. friends slash frenemies with their yeah. social circle, yeah. it's just that they don't care if they're overheard. <laughs> Whereas the lower, you know, the more realistic kind of thing are like, you know, I wouldn't say it to their face, but <laughs> such and such is a cunt. <laughs> You know, right. whereas they're like, I'm just going to say it to your face. Like, oh, are you just waiting in the next room? I can hear you there. I'm just going to, you know, <laughs> tell everyone that you're... But, but I love that there's that... Yeah. At the beginning of the film, there's a scene where um, the the Barry... Barry uh, Keo, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I always think it's Cahagan. The, the Banshee's from, guy. From, yeah, from, from Total Recall. <laughs> but it's... Keo or something yeah, like yeah, that, whatever yeah, the hell. Yeah. His character, you know, sleeps, you know, almost sleeps with the girl because she's kind of jealous that the um, the Felix character has gone off with at the pub and yeah. hasn't told her or whatever. And that <laughs> that whole scene where he, where she does that, uh, do you think he'll he'll uh, be jealous? And he's like, I don't think he'll even know. <laughs> he'll, he'll even register it. He won't even care. And she's so distraught by it. But you know, it's the ultimate fuck you because. Two scenes prior, she's like, "Well, the reality is, he's a poor, yeah, that's <laughs> he's right, he's a poor kid that nobody cares about." That nobody, you know. <laughs> and I, I want to watch it again because I think there's a lot of stuff to pick up on, like yeah. when you know where it goes. So, cool. What's your number three? Is it? Uh, well, my number three is um, talk to me. So we don't need to. And my that. number three, I think we're we're kind of like we could almost skip ahead to number one because my number three is. Um, when Evil Lurks, which we've talked okay, about. Okay, and then my number two, Saltburn. And my number two is The Holdovers. <laughs> so number one, we're not going to agree on this one. No, um, I don't so. think so. Well, I've, I've, already, I've already said what my number one... My number one hasn't changed. Okay, neither has mine. I can't remember what yours was. You yeah, probably no, can't, I can't remember. remember. <laughs> <laughs> we pay attention or we care. <laughs> uh, mine is You're So Not Invited to My Bar Mitzvah. The Netflix yes. film Adam Sandler produced. He's in it, but he's not the star. His daughters are the star, particularly did, one of them. I wanted to watch this, but it was I, I, I ended up watching the other one instead, the... Whoever the new Lonely Island. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 mountain one. The, the mountain yeah. one that was just seemed to be more easily like came up yeah. quicker on the the yeah, newer newer yeah. thing. <laughs> did you enjoy that? But I did. I did enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. You know that 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 made Chloe's list, so yeah. that kind of works in. But you're so not invited to my bar mitzvah. It's a very John Hughes esque type of film. Feels like an eighties kind of teen comedy, but it's just so earnest and real. And you feel like these um, emotions and situations for these teenage girls, uh, everyday situations that other girls would yeah. relate to. I, I feel like, not having seen it, I feel like it's this year's Booksmart, which I think was very, which I get the feeling is very similar. Yeah, yes and no. Of, you know, yes right, no. Of, right, end of year, right of passage. Kind of. Me. It feels much more like 16 Candles. Right. It's that kind of film. But I just, I, I love where they go with, uh, I don't want to give too much away because it is a surprise kind of film. It catches you off guard. So right. many great actors in it. Louis Guzman's amazing. Um, Adam Sandler's was really good, but it's it's very much t- honing in on that being a Jewish um, teenager yeah. and having to go through the traditions and the customs, and you don't want to. And which, like, as as someone who you know who um, grew up on the outskirts of that, yeah. who who has never done it. Like I worked yeah. at bar mitzvahs and stuff yeah. like that. And I was like, this stuff is weird. Well, they've got people like you in the movie yeah. that are on the fringes. Yeah. And sort of, <laughs> you just look as an out, as someone looking in, you're like, like this is... A... Yeah. But I feel that way. Like now I follow a couple of, um, you know, Finster 
uh, Fitster or Finster or whatever they're called, Instagram accounts. Yeah. And some of some of them are also <laughs> religious, and the religious stuff is starting to kind of creep in yep. to the accounts. And you, I look at the comments, and other people going, "I came here because <laughs> I like I'm here for workout content, <laughs> not here for yeah. you know your your um, magic man in the sky nonsense." <laughs> and you're like, and you're listening to what they say, like the, the religious stuff, and you're like. Really, this is really like a whole mm. fucking world of nonsense that they've completely bought into. Mm-hmm. And if they like people on the who on the outside who are like, "What the fuck is wrong with like this stuff?" Is, yep. Are you like, are you listening to what you're saying? Yeah, no, exactly. And there, they have the exact same reaction to the other to the people who don't believe. Like, mm-hmm. are you crazy? Like, this is just a- there's a lot of that in this film too because you've got these teenagers that just don't get it they don't want to do any of this stuff and just because the family says they have to they've got to comply and and go through the motions and yet they imply also that the adults of this film went through that phase as well yeah. and they got sort of almost for lack of a better word indoctrinated into it like well, you know look, i know a guy who it's I, I find it's very similar to like that i always think that that's the freemasons and uh all that kind of stuff yeah uh, what's the other, what's the, the the they have the masons and the elks lodge and stuff like that they're all just like social alternatives to yep. religion. Yep. And I, I know a guy my father used to work for as a chef. He used to cater functions. He started going to church as a way to get business. Like it was like a, it's like a it's like a networking thing. Yep. Yep. But he started like slowly. He was not into it mm-hmm. at the start. Like he was, uh, you know, he had a criminal past and he did all this sort of stuff. Now he's incredibly. <laughs> You know, and that's why I always feel like it's weird because you know one of the arguments about um, voting ages and, and stuff like mm. that is that, uh, and lowering the voting age is that you know religions get kids at birth, yet you're not allowed to actually have a say in, in what happens <laughs> to the plant until you're 18. Yeah. Yet you're allowed to be indoctrinated yep. into this cult. Yep. Yep. You know, from from a young age, and you kind of you know, we went. I went to school uh, with a girl who was a couple of years below me. Um, but she lived around the corner and we used to catch the bus into school and she, down the road from us was a religious primary school that she went to, which, which so I hadn't met her until we went to yep. high school. And she was right into it and she still is. She mm-hmm. still is, you know, fairly religious. Yep. And I just was like, oh, I just uh, don't get it. But she was, <laughs> yeah. she had always been into it. Yeah. It's like she didn't have that kind of rebellious It's such a, it's phase. a very odd thing. I'm, I'm with you. I'm on the same side of the, uh, the school fence, you know. Yeah. However, I, I do have also a lot of respect for the community that they can harbor and stuff like that. Like it's, it seems fun. And I love watching a good religious movie. Yep. But I also... I loved the free period that I got in primary school <laughs> when everyone else had to do religious ed- R-E. R.I. Yeah. Or R-E. And uh, I got to play with puzzles and stuff That's in the right. uh, in the other room. Yep. Oh, good times, mate. Good times. Anyway, so there's my number one. You're so not invited to my bar mitzvah. I recommend everybody check it out. It's on Netflix. Um, if you love Adam Sandler movies, you will really love it. But if you don't like Adam Sandler movies, this is the one to watch because he's on the fringes. It's your gateway drug. It certainly <laughs> It's... <laughs> You watch this one and then you straight you straight deep dive into Hubie Halloween. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're up to your number one. Uh, so my number one is which which is once again look. There's a couple on this list. Uh, holdovers, kind of one of them, mm. but this one I f- I feel bad about including it only because it was a festival watch and yes. it's not readily it's still not out yet anywhere. Oh, I know where you're going. Yep. Uh, but it is Riddle of Fire. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it's just this. And since you and Jarrett spoke about this, I've been keen to watch it yeah. and haven't been able to. 
Yeah. It, it's yeah, Yellow Veil have it. I believe they're going to release it um, this year through Vinegar Syndrome in the US and mm. um, hopefully somebody local picks it up or, and, and gets it up onto, onto the VOD platforms at the very least, although I will be purchasing the Blu-ray and I hope they put out some fancy special edition <laughs> of it because it is... It is like under the Silver Lake. It is it's designed for a fantastic collector's edition because yeah. they've created this great kind of kids universe with magic and alternate kind of computer game with technology it. and stuff. Which I would love to have a physical mm. representation of. It's just a, fa- a fantastic film about these. It's like a almost like a choose your own adventure kind of mm-hmm. thing about these kids who, at the start of the film, they break into a warehouse. And steal this new game system to play this brand new game that they, you know, their parents won't buy them, yep. can't afford. And when they get home, they find out their mother has, their sick mother has put a lock on the TV because she wants them to play outside. <laughs> and the only way that they will let her play the computer game is if they go to the local bakery and get her a cherry pie, <laughs> a sour cherry pie. But when, uh, and if they get that for her, then she will unlock the TV and let them play. But when they get to the bakery, they've sold out of the sour cherry pie and the baker isn't on that day. So they have to go to the baker's house and then she won't do it unless they... So it's just a series of... It sounds like good boys where they're on that yeah. mission to get across town. Yeah, <laughs> just, 100%. Just to find a drone. Yeah. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, I'm excited about that one. It sounds like it's right up my alley. Yeah. There we go. That was a good list. Yeah, and we were on we were on the same page for most of it. Yeah. Excellent. Do you have any honourable mentions? I've got quite a few I want to quickly touch upon. I'll go. I'll go three. Then maybe you go three if you have some. Look, I've got the, the. I've got. Look, well, the three that I was trying to. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think they deserved a spot in my top ten. And any given year, there's no way they would have made it there. Same. But, same with mine. Yeah. Uh, that I. That I had. I had kind of listed. Uh, actually, I think there's actually only two. Is Renfield, yep. which I thoroughly enjoyed, and Sisu. Which Excellent. I also enjoyed. Funny, when I um, watched the Boneheads uh, episode recently, they recapped the year with their favourites. Sisu made their top list yep. and Renfield made their bottom list. Yeah, right. Oh, their worst <laughs> yeah, kills. Yeah, Joe oh. really hated it. Oh, I um, loved it. Yeah. Uh, well, I wanted to give a notable mention to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. I have not seen Would yeah. not have made my top ten, but I think it's good enough for a mention. It's one of the year's most surprising films. Uh, I look Surprisingly, and this is very, this is as mainstream as you can go, I was really surprised by Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. That okay, it's yeah. the only sequel I've enjoyed in that entire franchise. <laughs> Obviously, Mission Impossible is quite good, but Air was a surprising one with Ben Affleck. Yeah, actually, film. yeah, look, there's a, there's a, there's a few films I kind of forgot about. There's a couple of docos in there that I really liked. Yeah, I even liked. There's a is it, was it there's a boxer the George Foreman yeah, movie on yeah, yeah. which I quite enjoyed. Yeah, um, what was it? Um, the one you mentioned just before the. Um, I've got it written down here. Please don't destroy the treasure of Foggy Mountain. That yeah. Lonely Island style. Um, that was a surprise for me. That was just the. Yeah. It, it, it felt exactly like I felt watching that like I did when I saw Hot Rod for the first time. Yeah. Um, so that was great. And Mafia Mama. I'm giving that a bit of a, a nod as well because I that I don't think it's that I loved it. It's that it was so much better than I anticipated it being. Yeah, which, admittedly, would not be hard because <laughs> the, like I I think you. I think you. I can't remember if you invited me to that screening or not. I, I, I may have. I think. I think, and I was like, no, no, I'm not going to, because it may have been a Hoyts. Maybe it wasn't at a cinema that I particularly wanted to go yeah. to anyway. But yeah. I'm like, there's no fucking way I'm going there to watch this. And I did end up watching it based solely on your recommendation. <laughs> oh, no, 
I did watch it. That's, that's uh, not often that a good on, thing. Uh, on, uh, it's on one of the, the VOD platforms. Yeah. And <laughs> look, <laughs> it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And it was more violent than I thought it would be. It, look, yeah, there's a lot of killing. There's a lot more sex in it, which I'm constantly surprised by in any Tony Collette film. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I loved where it went. I loved the trajectory this woman had like, yeah. and what she became. But I, well, well I, I mean, that's kind of, that was kind of my problem because <laughs> I felt like there was 20 minutes cut out where she becomes like a Don. Well, maybe there was on, on the streaming. <laughs> maybe, I fell asleep, maybe I fell asleep to it and I missed the middle part. Look, uh, like I said, never going to be in my top ten, but it just surprised me. Like it was, a, it was a fun movie. I really thought it was going to feel like a, a director video type of thing. Yeah. And the the look at the other kind of honourable mention. I will that 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 film that I um I was talking about the French film with with Laura Calamy was it's called Full Time. Mm-hmm. It's on binge, and it's it's an interesting movie. It's about this it's this poor woman who works. She's divorced. She's got two kids kind of under the age of five. Uh, and she it's all set in in uh, France. And she lives kind of – Paris, like every other major metropolitan city seemingly now, has a housing crisis. And the only, the only place anyone can actually afford to live unless you're super rich is, you know, like a couple of towns out. Yep. Like suburbs out, so you know she's 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 going you know, an hour a day getting into Paris to work as a maid in a hotel, um, and this is all set during the massive Paris transport strikes when they were protesting the uh, age increase, mm-hmm. the the pension age increase and stuff like that. And they like, having been in Paris yep. a couple of times during those strikes, they are nightmares. <laughs> but so she. Yeah, and she's she's also so she she's really struggling to get into work, and her work is suffering because she she's you know, and there a lot of a lot of people having the same problems. But the, she works at a really fancy hotel, and they're not as forgiving as they would like. But she's also on the side trying to get a better job because she's got a mortgage that she can't pay, and you know she's her credit card debt is climbing. Everything that could possibly go wrong is going wrong for yeah, this yeah. woman, right? Um. And she's also trying to go for this job interview as a kind of a, as a marketing mm-hmm. person, which is what she trained as. But she, because she had the kids, she wasn't able to work in that field, and she hasn't been. She's been out of it for five years, and now struggling to get back in because nobody wants to give her a, a chance. It's really just really kind of you know, <laughs> but it, it's like one of these <laughs> kind of movies that you know she starts she starts at like eight, yeah, and by the end of the movie she's down to two. Like it right. just keeps going. Everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong she fucks people over she gets fucked over by people it's just this kind of non-stop descent you spent more shit. time on that than any of your top then, 10 <laughs> it's just like a, it was a really fascinating film the only look, the only reason it didn't get into my top 10 yep. is because the resolution mm. is so quick yep. and almost not yep. a resolution gotcha had that been expanded upon a bit more it would have made it into my top 10 awesome uh, but it is on bin so you can check it out Cool. What are the uh, disappointments for the year? Do you have any? I've got heaps. <laughs> I've got heaps. And I mean, people might not agree with these, but I definitely think everyone is bagging and ha- heaping shit on The Exorcist, right? Uh, Exorcist Believer, which, you know, fair enough. Look, that would be on my list, but I wasn't expecting anything out of it anyway. Well, but the other thing I'll say is that, you know, you they, they forgetting that The Pope's Exorcist also came out, like, yeah. with Russell Crowe, and that was far worse. I think that's one of the worst films of the year. I think Dracula Voyage of the Demeter was a turd. Um, 
Ant-Man 3 goes without saying. Little Mermaid shit house. Asteroid City, fucking awful. John Wick 4, rubbish. Yeah. Um, what else have I got? Indiana Jones 5, like I really hated it. <laughs> I remember you sending that text going, like I enjoyed it. I've watched at it first three watching. times now. I'm trying to yeah. get into it. I'm uh, trying. You're like it does not. You say it doesn't hold up on the rewatch, and it didn't. Yeah, it, it's, it doesn't. I've done it three times now, and I, I I will do it a fourth time. Yeah, I will persist. This will be my new in dreams where I just try it every the, year. The thing that I I really kind of dislike about it, thinking back on it, it's, it's none of the Indiana Jones stuff. It is all the Phoebe Waller Bridge. Yeah, she's stuff. awful. I don't like it. Not that I don't think that she's like bad in the role. I think. Her character is a bad character. That's what I mean. Like when I say she's awful, I mean her her character. She should have been a companion to Indiana Jones more than what yeah. she is. Like I mean, they set up they set up Shia LaBeouf a lot better in <laughs> yeah. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull than they do than they do her. Like she is a kind of repugnant character at the start of the film. Mm. Her reasons for being repugnant and kind of having an issue with Indiana Jones are nonsensical. Yeah, and her. Character change is unexplained. Yeah. That's the her. She, there is no mm-hmm. reason. You know, if it, people don't change yeah. unless something, you know, like they say, until you hit rock bottom, until mm. something dramatic happens yeah. that makes you reevaluate your life. Yeah. Which is why most people don't change because nothing particularly well, horrific ever really happens, and nothing terrific happens to her no. in this film. And the other thing too is like, there's, there's no two, catalyst. There's two other things too. It doesn't have the same structure as the other Indiana Jones films. It's not the treasure hunt movie that the, the previous ones are. Yeah. It's not a like, you know, we have to get from here to here to here. It sort of doesn't have that flow and it doesn't click for me. But the other thing too is if everyone thinks about every finale of an Indiana Jones film, they're all fantastical. They're all supernatural. Yeah. Except this one goes beyond the pale. Like it is yeah. so unattainable. I can't, I can't even work out why they thought it was a good idea. And everyone knows by now that's a time travel thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, if people thought Aliens in the previous movie was outrageous, that to me makes more sense and yeah. it's more logical than what this fucking is. It's kind of, when you think that they could have just done the Atlantis thing yeah. or something. Yeah, that's, that's what I wanted. You know, that's what like, I wanted. Which could be like the land that time forgot, yeah. which would be a lot more believable than I'm going back to the times of Icarus or whatever <laughs> the fuck it is. But if you're going to do time travel, why not go back on Indiana Jones' own adventures, rectify some, retcon it, like yeah. make it different. Um, yeah, just this movie was a turd. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I don't think James Mangold was the right director for it in the end. Like he got some of it right as far as the tone and the look of the film goes, but that first twenty minutes of CGI bullshit that removed me from the story completely. Right there, and yeah. There. I mean, look, I, yeah, it should have started in New York City. That didn't bother me as much as the as the Kingdom of the Crystal Stars stuff, which. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but there's something about digital. Which stuff, though? In the 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 desert, the desert stuff with the painted backdrop, which like I like in in mm. classic films. Yeah. I have no issue with it. Like you yeah. watch the opening scenes of Bad Day at Black Rock, yeah, yeah. and it's clearly yeah. like a set I like painting. That stuff too. The whole time, I have no issue with it. It really didn't sit right with me on Kingdom with the Crystal Skull. It was like when when uh, we released. Um, the editor. Mm. I was talking to the Astron Six guys, and like the the editor is a Giallo mm-hmm. uh, uh, homage, great film, throwback. Yeah, they said that originally when they did it, they were going to do the voices. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to record live dialogue 
or they or they were going to dub over the voices and stuff yeah. like that. And they said when they did it, it just looked like it was out of sync. Not yeah. that it was a yeah yeah a a a, a, a jello kind or a, like a, a any kind of foreign movie kind mm-hmm. of thing. It just looked like it was out of sync. It just doesn't work anymore. The modern audience, yep, it doesn't. And that's how I felt with that scene. I do too. So I didn't have, but I was already expecting after you know. Um, Grand Moff Tarkin in Star Wars and you know all that kind of stuff. I was kind of like, of course they're going to make it young indie. That that didn't bother me. Yeah, it. Uh, I I liked and I liked grumpy old Indiana Jones. I was fine with it. I think the problem and it's funny you bring up the Astron Six stuff there because the problem with the de aging of Indiana Jones was I didn't de age his voice. So you had yeah. like an 80-year-old's <laughs> voice on a 40-year-old's body. As someone who routinely pretends to be my father when dealing with government services <laughs> because he refuses to talk on the phone and constantly being questioned, I feel like you're totally right. <laughs> They're like, really? you born in 1945? Yes, I was. Do I not sound like I was born in 1945? <laughs> well, there we go. There's some turds from the year. Do you have any disappointments? Uh, let me have a look here. Did I... I mean, look, things like Killers of the Flower Moon and stuff, only disappointments in that, I thought it would have been a great 90-minute film. Yep. I just didn't think it needed to go for three hours. Yep. Sorry. Sorry, Marty. And I'm getting a bit tired of listening to Martin Scorsese talk about this film, like in the way he breaks it down, um, like he, he is an authority. And I'm like, dude, like this movie is not as masterful as you think it is. <laughs> I just don't care. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought there was a, there was a really interesting story in there yep. that he... Well, he ignored the original story because the book itself was the FBI procedural stuff. Procedural stuff, which yeah. I think that's where the, the real grit was. Well, that's and well, I think it's I think that's kind of Leo's fault because he is. was supposed to play the Je- the the Jesse Plemons character yep. and went, no, I want to play the the idiot. And also said like we he, he'll only do it if they can find something else to attach, you know, the the, the significance to and the meaning. And so that's where the yeah. love story came. I I agree. I think that which is such a because she figures like. It's so obvious that he's part of it. Yeah. Well, and she kind of figures, and she's a lot smarter than he is, and still just sticks with him. It's a bit. I would uh, love to have seen the book adapted properly. Um, Rebel Moon was a bit. Uh, Didn't watch it. My son did. Said it was pretty average. Look, it, it it's a hundred percent Battle Beyond the Stars. Have you watched both? Magnificent Seven. I've only watched the first part. Yeah. Uh, and I don't need to watch the first. I mean, look, it contains one of my favorite things in kind of eighties action movies and. Magnificent Seven. It's, I love the team gathering. Mm. Like, let's get this band of specialists together, and they, you know, the guys go around and they. This guy's great with a knife. Look at him do this, uh, you know, bit. And this guy's a, uh, you know, and they do that here. But it's why do they keep letting Zack Snyder make big movies? Because I feel like his audience is dwindling. Like yeah. I really do, and and it's turned, the tides are turned against him, and he's ridiculed now. But they keep giving him these big projects. Yeah, he needs to do like what Michael Bay did with Ambulance. Yeah, and kind of take it like go back to the absolutely hundred percent. You know, go back to the roots. Yep. Um, I I've, I want to challenge every big director, even Spielberg, to go back and make a movie for ten million dollars, maybe five million dollars, and see if yeah, they can do it. See what you can do. Are you as good as you know we think you are? You should be able to make something great with that. Um, look, I didn't. I. I tried to watch the beginning of 65 and uh, couldn't do it. Couldn't go any further. <laughs> the dinosaur further. movie. The dinosaur movie with Driver. I didn't hate it, but it's on no lists of mine. Um, oh, fuck it. I tried to watch White Men Can't Jump. The Oh, the don't first. bother with that one. Fucking hell, it was horrible. That's a movie that never needed to be remade. No. Well, I'm all for, I'm all for a good sports movie. Yeah. This wasn't it. But also, like, just... How about re-releasing the original and introducing generations to it? Like it's yeah. it's a great movie. Um, 
Yeah, oh, look. Other ones. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Uh, we had the director on the show, so I'm not going to mention that film. Um, <laughs> How long ago? Uh, oh, <laughs> mid-year, I'd say. I think we had a mid-year, around mid-year. You can say it. They're not listening. No, no. It's, but it, it's look, I, I think it's kind of unfair. Like it's, okay. Been, okay. it's been touted as one of the worst films of the year anyway by most people. Sure. It also made... A fuck ton of money, so you got no one to blame but yourself, people. I'm so curious, but okay, okay. <laughs> Let's just say that the, the lead protagonist wears pants and he shouldn't be wearing pants. That should tell you what the movie is. Doesn't it? Doesn't it will <laughs> afterwards, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, hopefully, people listening understand that, yeah. Um, cool. Is there anything you're looking forward to this year? It's a big year for releases. I find it funny, it's hard to look forward to movies that aren't sequels or reboots because you don't quite know. Yeah, you have no anticipation. I am. I'm looking forward to the new Ghostbusters movie. Absolutely. Um, if anything, just because I I like Banana Rama Scroll so much. <laughs> every time I see the trailer, I'm like, oh. I just think Afterlife was impressive enough for me to be yeah. excited for a sequel. Uh, Beetlejuice two, I'm very excited for. Which I yeah. think the, the actual title for that is now Beetlejuice Beetlejuice. Oh, I'm actually there's a movie coming out. I think on Thursday, the the rowing movie. Oh, it's great. Boys in the Boat. Boys in the Boat. Yeah, I've seen it. It's fantastic. Yeah, right. It is fantastic. It's George Clooney directed it. Joel Edgerton plays the um, the coach. Fantastic. And I thought of you because I wasn't allowed to take a plus one to this one. And I thought of all the movies Ben would fucking love, yeah, it is this that. one. Yeah, I saw a trailer for it the other day. And, and they, have I'm to, like, they have to go to Berlin and, and, and row in front of Hitler. And oh, it's just great. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I, I, I will. I've been looking for an excuse to try out that new village. It's now. It's a. I've been. Look, I literally was. I think we were having this discussion <laughs> the end of last year when I was saying I'm going to go see Indiana Jones at the new village. Yeah. Uh, village cinema across the road from IKEA in Springvale, because I've been looking for an excuse to to check out that cinema, and I still haven't been there because <laughs> I ended up going to see Indiana Jones at Knox instead. Maybe I'll go see this one there. Okay. Because I think it, I think it's I think on Thursdays when it opens. Let's just say we're only a like week or two into the new year, and it's, it's my favorite film of the year. Yeah, right. <laughs> <To> anyone I've <laughs> seen. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to Spaceman, the new Adam Sandler one with Paul Dano and um, Kerry Mulligan. It's like a it's oh, a science it. fiction thriller. It's not an Adam Sandler comedy. That looks quite good just from the trailer. Civil War looks interesting. Yes. Yeah. I. Yeah, another Jesse Plemons. Yeah, uh, yeah he's uh, great film. in it too. Um, good, who, like I think, because what I kind of miss, and I th- Anonymous really threw a wrench into the works, but I miss that kind of um, Roland Emmerich, you know, end of the world yeah. movies. Like <laughs> he used to do those really well. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, that Jupiter, not Jupiter Ascending, what was the one he did where? Moonfall. Moonfall about the yeah. giant constructs, which was actually unintentionally hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like I love the actual... And like I, the joke through the film is that that Josh Gad guy or whatever the, whoever the hell it is, oh yeah, Josh Gad like yeah yeah the British guy yeah what, yeah the, oh, sorry that's right the Game of Thrones guy yeah is like talks about these the mega structures and you're like this is like a, like they all look at him like he's crazy and you as an audience member go this guy's fucking nuts yeah and then that is the thing <laughs> and you're like Jesus Christ because he's like a flat earth they really yeah like. yeah they went for this. <laughs> Well, like I've watched Nazi megastructures on SBS <laughs> before. Dean Devlin did do that Geostorm one as well. Yeah, which is, which I thought was the kind of the beginning of the end of Gerard Butler's career. Yeah, I thought well, he was no. going to, but no. <laughs> it's the beginning. <laughs> yeah. But then he did, like, I mean, that's actually one that I, I could have kind of Plane. included. Plane, yeah. I really enjoyed. Yeah. He's got a bunch coming out this year as well. Uh, yeah, 
Like he's just the man he keeps giving. Like he's the he's white Michael J. White. <laughs> totally. Uh, we did a trailer reaction to Lisa Frankenstein. I think that looks pro- quite good. Yes. Looking forward to that. Oh, and uh, what's his name too? The um, I'm actually surprised you didn't include it in your list. The Aliens movie about the the alien um, oh, who was, don't believe the romance. Yeah. So we've got a landscape with invisible hand. Was yeah. One of my honourable mentions. I just we we prattled on long enough. I didn't, I didn't include didn't, it. But yeah, yeah, that was quite good. Um, um, and the other two I'm looking forward to: Horizon, the new Kevin Costner. Western, which he's broken into two films, yeah. but released a month apart, so it's not like we have to wait a year. That looks good, and um, Furiosa. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, look, I saw the trailer for that, and I it was never going to be up your alley because of how you feel about Furiosa. <laughs> yeah, let's face it. <laughs> oh, and the, the the thing is, the thing I think it's just important to get it out there. There was a lot of hate for Fury Road because there's a lot of kind of um, misogyny about the the Furiosa character. Yeah. That is not my problem. My problem has nothing. It's my the problem story is the story. <laughs> they just go from one end to the other. Yeah, they literally. They literally. <laughs> let's go to this place, and then we and we'll get there. We we'll just turn around and come straight back again. Look, we've been down this conversation road before, but I kind of feel like that's how number two and three are structured as well. But I also think, like I, yeah, I mean, and and two, I think it is. A continuation of the worst bits of Beyond the Thunderdome. Yeah. Whereas the Mad Max I like yeah. is I get that Mad Max. The, clearly, the first one. Yes, I first one. You know, which is like me. I like a good and even the second one is a a more post apocalyptic version yeah, of the first. Hundred percent. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think they are the two best of the franchise. You know. But I think George Miller is just obsessed with this over the topness of Mad Max. Yeah, you know. He loves those the Dudes on the pole, yeah, like yeah. they're bringing Which those is fine back. And it's his own universe. He's created this, and I love that it's him that's expanding it, and not someone else coming along to do yeah. that. Uh, look, I'm looking forward to this one. I, I think I just, tra- I just don't want to. I just don't think that the guy who now has his glasses attached by a, 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 a <laughs> string. string around his neck is the guy who should be creating action. Action. Uh, the only criticisms I've seen, and I think it's a bit premature, is that where Fury Road was predominantly practical. Um, with very little CG other than some augmentation. This one looks to be abundantly CG. CG. Well, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So there you go. That's um, that's the year that was. That's the year that's coming. That's a pretty good conversation, I think. <laughs> this is the first of a couple of um, summer series episodes. So thanks for sticking with us. And I hope you all agreed on some of those. So yeah, let us know. Ones. Jump jump onto all of the social medias that we're on and let us know what your top tens were. Absolutely. I, I, what I failed to mention, and I'll just put this for conversation online purpose, uh, the new Sniper uh, Grit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, I did see that text. Everyone knows how I feel about the Sniper franchise, yet yeah, that installment belongs in the trash. Which... I mean, I, I wonder if this is one that everyone else then now thinks is good. Have you seen? The, I'm like, this is no joke. Um, Sniper has been dominating Netflix. It's a, it's the surprise hit of the summer or Christmas this break. One. All of them. All so of them. suddenly, the top ten on Netflix most watched. Four of them are Sniper films. Right. And a couple of weeks ago, three of them. Uh, sorry, five of them were Sniper films. <laughs> and Grit is sort of number floats around number four or five. But it's the last few that have been dominating. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, it's been a good... The snipers had this rediscovery. Well, I think it's like Fast and the Furious. They remember, like, Fast and the Furious franchise had, like, those two kind of... Two or three good ones. When Once Jathan Statham <laughs> entered the franchise, <laughs> that he had, like, really... And now it's gone... Like, I just haven't bothered watching the last two. Well, I, like, okay, I watched care. I watched this new one, Grit, and I immediately got online and I, I sent a message to Chad Michael Collins. I said, please tell me there's an 11. And he's like... Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> One I forgot to mention in the um, 
things I'm looking forward to is that Beekeepers. Yeah, Jason Statham. Oh, absolutely. And Jared Butler's got another one similar to that where they're starting to name these action movies after professions. Right. Like it's like The Baker or something like that. (laughs) I'm looking forward to Candlestick Maker when that one comes out. (laughs) Well, we had The Accountant. Now we've got The Beekeeper. Yeah. And I enjoyed The Accountant. Me too. Supposedly another one coming to that as well. I don't need need to do my taxes twice. (laughs) One was enough, I think. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We have another episode coming up in a couple of weeks' time. I'm going to have a special guest at the desk, Aaron Goxie, um, who, you know, the the majestic mullet man, the the purveyor of Chalky Milk. You know who he is. He's going to join us for, you know, chat about his favourite movies. But until then, um, let's sign off, Ben, and go watch some movies. Let's do it. Ciao.